0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Trading Paper. I'm your host for Episode 2, Eric Doran, Vice President of Solutions at VTS. Joining me today is Rob Eero, VTS's Vice President of Product for Tenant Experience. Modern tenants expect more of their workspaces than ever before, and owners and operators are tasked with differentiating their assets with an exceptional tenant experience, no matter where the tenants are working, whether that's in the office, at home, or out in the community. The scope of tenant experiences has become wider, keeping up with the evolution of the workplace. Technology has become an even more important part of managing tenant experiences, measuring tenant health, maintaining occupancy, and ultimately supporting retention goals. Today, Rob and I will be talking about the tenant experience evolution and with our joint experience in the industry, where we see that experience going in the future. All right, Rob, before we get into it, a little background on me, which you know most of. Been at VTS for seven years, had many roles there, but most recently working with our largest customers on kind of the entire VTS platform, but really directly pertaining to tenant experience, um, was really involved in the onboarding and kind of initial go-to-market when we acquired Rise and then acquired Lane. So I've had a crash course over two years of kind of everything tenant experience. So um, I'm excited to share some of that today.
1: Awesome. Well, you know me as well, but just for, yes. for the audience here today. I've been in digital physical products really for the last 15 years and a lot of touching real estate. I uh, started in retail, figuring out how to drive people into retail stores. I sold the company to eBay in that vein. Built my own hospitality tech company that was eventually folded into uh, a larger hospitality tech company. That really was a nice segue into more real estate proper or or this arena where I joined WeWork. I did everything from leading all of technology for WeLive to by the time I left WeWork, I was co-leading the product team there. A lot of things that I did at WeWork is around the business model innovation. So on-demand and all access are things that my team's incubated and are now like $250 million books of revenue for, for WeWork in a more flexible way.
0: And that background is why I'm interviewing you
1: today. I guess so. It's funny because I was looking for a way to get into the same thing, but at, at a greater scale, and VTS yeah. like really served that. Ironically, I was talking to Lane right before VTS acquired Lane, and also talking to VTS about Rise, and so. In my head, I was actually thinking about how to combine these two companies together. We wanted to make it easy for you. Yeah. So, Thank yeah. you. I, I do appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. All
0: right, Rob, we'll start with a, a broad question to kind of lay the groundwork for the rest of the conversation. But right. I think something we see in the news and we have conversations around with our customers is this idea of like an evolving workplace. I think it's a good question, but I think what I'd be interested to hear from you is how have you seen... Um, the adoption and changes in technology influencing how people are actually thinking about the workplace. And when I say people, like really our customers who are these owners of the buildings that all these tenants are occupying, I think that's that's a great way to kind of start our, our, our conversation.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'll start it in broad strokes and get into the, the answer to, to your question. I think fundamentally we went through this shift from everyone is pretty much going into the office every single day to then everyone is fully remote. And there's different modes of operating for both of those scenarios. But now we're in this weird middle where sometimes you're remote, sometimes you're not. Like I, I just spoke to someone this morning who flew to Texas to meet with a client and only one person was in the room for part of the meeting. Nice. And so it's just like, and everyone else was remote. Yeah, it's like, and we like we had people fly to Texas for this meeting. Yeah, and so it's just like getting in person right in the right moment just requires a different way of operating. Just generally, and and companies are trying to figure this out because it has an impact on how you serve your clients, but it also has an impact on how companies build up their identity. Yeah, from the beginning, like CEOs built up cultures on in-person experiences over the past, like, century, really? Yeah. And how do they suddenly transition to different ways of working? COVID literally accelerated remote work or the the thought of flex work in a period of a year, but it probably moved how people are working 10, 20 years ahead yeah. of what it, what, it, what it actually was. Kind
0: of reshape what the standard yeah. needs to be going forward.
1: Yeah, but technology and, like, playbooks, I guess, if you will, haven't caught up to figure out how to make people most productive in that type of new environment, in this new workplace.
0: What do you think, from what you've seen, has been some of the more influential technologies on a building level that is starting to try to address that question, which I think is you still want to have that cultural identity within a company, but people work differently?
1: Yeah. No, it's a it's a good question. I I think one of the patterns that I saw, I guess maybe pre pandemic and then the shift post pandemic when I was at WeWork is that SMBs, they were really engaged with the technology that we provided them. Okay. Because they saw it as an opportunity to connect and grow their business. Enterprises that came to WeWork, they just treated we work as a box with four walls and a flexible lease Yeah, for all intents and purposes. As soon as the pandemic hit, suddenly these Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies, big tech companies, you name it, they were coming to us and like, we need help. Yeah, Help us figure out how to best cater our space solutions for our people. And they realized that real estate was no longer – a box with four walls. Real, like the workplace was really everywhere now. It was their home office. It was a flex space down the street. Uh, it was a coffee shop. It might be like a friend's office because people, they, they desire that in person community. Yeah. But they, they've experienced the convenience of, not necessarily needing to commute for an hour if that's like their commute to to get to a central hub if they didn't need to necessarily meet with people in that office that day. But they still want community. They still want to be productive. But how do you build the right tools to forge those connections and make it work? And then that brings it back to just company loyalty in general. Yeah. So
0: I think whenever there's just kind of a fundamental shift in an industry – and I think for real estate, there's a lot going on, but I think the shift has really just been tenant expectations. Mm-hmm. So what challenges in your time at WeWork and just in the customer conversations and experience you have building product at VTS, what are some of the big challenges that our customers are asking us to help them to answer? Because I think everyone's trying to answer the same question. Not everyone can do it the same way because in the end, markets behave differently differently. Buildings just have different physical characteristics.
1: So, like, what are those some of those big thematic challenges, though? Yeah. Some interesting insights from the market recently is during COVID, I would say there was a huge flat line across all buildings, yeah. all building t- types across asset classes in terms of what people and how many people are coming into the office. Recently, there's been a huge spike in. Trophy assets and high, basically highly amenitized assets because companies are going to these buildings because they feel like they're able to get more for their tenants as a as a hook to bring them back into the office and start developing that community. Like outside of the physical lease
0: that they're outside, signing? Outside, yeah.
1: Outside of the physical lease. So again, it goes back to, it's not just the suite that people are coming into the office every day for, but it's everything around that suite. Yeah. And so it's it's easy for trophy assets to attract that, but I, I think the question that we're getting a lot now is if for you know normal class A or class B assets, how how do they virtually amenitize in a way to at least cloth some of that back or be able to feel more like a uh, an amenitized building, even if even if they don't happen to be.
0: But I think that's an interesting point because I think there is, in the conversations I've been in, when I talk to owners that own in, you know, downtown core markets and have those amenitized buildings, the thought of adding technology to those is digestible. It's understood. There's these things that you'd want to highlight on someone's phone as they're entering your building. I think when you get into the suburban office question and you kind of mentioned virtual amenitization, like what are some examples of how people have thought about that and the way we're thinking about it? Because I think that's not every building is going to be in Midtown Manhattan yep. and going to have a large amenity floor. So how are the other owners thinking about that? And just what are some of the conversations you've had?
1: Yeah. I I think a one-liner for that is how do you make your portfolio accessible to your entire tenant base? Yeah. So if you have a building in, in Stamford or Mameranek or like a suburb anywhere really, how can you give access for those those people in those buildings to maybe the core market? It's like people in the suburbs are probably coming into the city. Yeah. How can your amenitized building become a soft landing spot for them when they need to meet with someone in the city? That becomes like a net benefit for your suburban buildings that may not be amenitized, even if they are a main office for a company that might be based in in the suburbs they're probably still doing business in the city and could use some touchdown space yeah. when they're working there
0: and i'd imagine part of that is like one making sure that the 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 tenant and the all the employees of that tenant actually know that there is this other option available to them within this portfolio that they get access to. So I think in the conversations I've had, and I know you've had like a lot of that is just awareness and awareness through technology in a way to make sure that people know what something is and how they'd access it and how they can use it.
1: Right. Yeah. You need to make it accessible. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I think the other thing that I'm hearing a lot in conversations is that, you know, the market is really, all the leverage is with the tenant right now. Yep. There's a lot of supply and demand has just changed, right? And it really depends on the market. What are some things that are kind of top of mind for you of how owners can start to really cater and have a differentiated offering to the limited demand that's in the market?
1: Yeah, I would say two of the trends and one that I already mentioned, uh, so I'll just reiterate it again, is people are looking for more flexibility. And so how do you give that to them? Yeah. One, you give it to them via the rest of your portfolio but two the one big change is that suddenly people are trying to get more people into less space yeah and so how can you potentially provide a solution for that that was a huge shift yeah that we work too it's like how can i get 25 people into a 100 person space it's like well uh with without breaking fire code uh we we need to develop you a, a bit of a technology solution to ensure that only the right people at the right time are actually getting access to that space. Yeah. So yeah, flexibility is one Two, uh, And this was another trend that, uh, that I saw at WeWork, but I'm also seeing a lot with our customers at VTS is companies are coming to owners asking to build solutions that are catered to them. Yep. What does that mean? Companies have built up their brand via in office work. Mm-hmm. This whole world of flex and remote work, they're not able to get as much uh, affinity towards their brand. And you see that in data that larger companies are, are releasing where remote workers and flex workers may tenure is, is lower versus yeah. people who may be coming into the office. But at the same time, we have customers using our new platform, VTS activate that are fully remote. And they're optimizing thousands of employees across 40 buildings. A fully remote Company still has touchdown space in 40 buildings. Yeah. And so there, there's flexibility there. Then it goes on to those companies want to show those experiences via their own brand. And so uh, if you're a Fortune 100 company, you want people coming to your office and seeing like your brand and you getting more brand affinity for that. Like the company wants to get credit for their employees for providing them a solution, whether it's to a flex space or another space or or even residential touchdown space that's yeah. that's definitely a, a possibility. A lot of residential buildings have spaces that are more highly utilized during the day because of, of the home office work,
0: yeah, I think it's interesting because you know rewind two years ago when we first acquired Rise the introduction for me into tenant experience was the brand that matters the most is the owner of that building and the building itself, yep. especially when you're talking about these trophy assets, because in the end, they have an identity within the markets. So it sounds like what you're saying is two years later, with the market really being a tenant market, that this personal brand is actually the one that's most important. So I think help me understand a little bit of the difference there because does that taking away from the building identity and the landlord or owner being able to actually take credit for some of the offering because in the end yeah. it is this amenity they're offering.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it has to be that type of sacrifice. Okay. At the end of the day, the company wants the employees to develop an affiliation towards them. Yeah, the company is ultimately who is buying the space, not not the employees. And so who the landlord needs to feel like they're getting credit where credit due is from is from the people who are purchasing that space and developing that brand affinity such that they then utilize that brand for more space. Yeah. Right. And even if there was a, there, there was a way to offer tenants like a solution that is branded to them, you can still have nods to the building brand or landlord brand within that experience. I think just the primary brand is for the company. Yeah.
0: So I think you mentioned our new tenant experience offering, VTS Activate. In both of our intros, we discussed kind of the path of how we got here with two acquisitions in the space that is really four main players. So just, you know, with activate and some of the branding you're talking about, like really what else, what else within activate and what we're delivering is really creating this differentiated experience that in my mind and the conversations I'm having gives owners the ability to give these custom user journeys within their building that in the end, they're partnering with the executive teams at their tenants to bring people back to the office and make it a place that's sticky and repeatable to come back to?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question. It is the, the only product on the market that can combine what is in the building with what is in the suite. And so you can actually deliver a solution branded to a tenant and still have things like your work orders for the building, your visitor management for the building, base building, access for the building, uh, events for the building show up in that tenant branded app. But one of the big power dynamics of combining that is that when the tenants are then adding their own content and own flavors to that, that can add more of a draw. Taking it back to uh, what I mentioned about trying to get 25 people into a hundred person space. Like that's such a normal paradigm now that before you're coming into the space, you are booking a hot desk. Yep. Now, while you're booking that hot desk, if it's just a regular suite app, that's probably it. But if it's the VTS activate app that pulls in information from your building, as you're booking that hot desk, uh, maybe you're seeing that there is a lunchtime yoga there at the building today. And that might actually push you to make the decision to come into the office and book that hot desk for the day because of that amenity, I guess, if you will, that's being offered by your building on that day. So
0: I think in the end, like when I think about this, it's if you're going to have someone kind of consume your building in this custom view that's really branded to the company they're working for, you want it to really be the one place that they're going to access all the places they need to go to work that day or schedule work for the next week. So I think as you think about that, like the thing that comes to mind for me is that's a lot of data. Mm -hmm. And if number one is how do we capture demand in the market? Number two question that we're question conversations we're having with customers is how do we use our data more effectively to make decisions, and that could be portfolio-level decisions. I think in the conversation we're having, it's really building-level decisions. So how are you and the team thinking about delivering that data back to, to our customers?
1: Yeah, that hits on one of the other key points that we're delivering as part of this new BTS Activate product is that aside from the engagement standpoint, we are also offering native visitor management work orders solutions such that you can have that data first party to analyze alongside all other data. And so what's important in this market really is retention. Yeah. So it's like you're thinking about demand, but you also need to be thinking about retention. And so- Defend your occupancy. Exactly. So it's it's like if demand is low, you need to save what you have. Yep. And I think that's why a lot of programs are being developed around getting people into the office. Because if- if people aren't actually engaged in the building, why why would they stay? Yeah, but but we've had customers use our data from our platform time and time again to prove to their tenants that how they're actually using the building. Yeah, and I would say data data probably comes in two different ways. There's leading indicators that maybe a customer might be leaving. yeah. Uh, and then there's ammo for you to bring to the conversation to say, hey, you don't actually realize how much your people at your company are getting benefit from what we are providing. Yeah, And so leading indicators may be things more like sentiment and occupancy. Ammunition might be more things like how much people are utilizing conference rooms within maybe a shared amenity space. Uh, How many of their employees are attending events uh, how satisfied their employees are with with said events within the building. And so all these things can turn the page when you're having a conversation with the purchaser, whether it's the head of real estate at a company or or what have you, to change their mind.
0: It's interesting, too, because the, there's the tenant view of the data, which is these conversations about renewals and keeping the strategic tenants you want in the building. On the flip side, as I, as I listen to you talk through some of those things, in a budget constrained environment, every dollar you spend, you want a ROI on that, whether it's the one equals two or whatever you need to get. So when you're thinking about programming and spending money within a building, whether it be some CapEx expense or just an event budget, I think the thing that's I think interesting to me, and I know some customers have talked about is this idea of what is the return on the investment we're getting? And it might not have to be an ROI in dollars return, but- is there a sentiment return because sentiment's a hard thing to capture
1: yeah sentiment is a is a big one for sure and we're in the lab right now yeah. i guess if you will uh crunching a lot of numbers to come to basically combine everything that i mentioned plus general surveying data to give a broader sentiment score such that you can even have better leading indicators on that over time and so yeah, see, stay tuned on that one. I think if you guys crack that code, there will be a lot of excited people. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Rob, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. I think we'll stay tuned to see what, what else is in store from the evolving landscape that is tenant experience. So appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, no, it was fun. Appreciate the conversation. Great questions. It's like you, you've you been around the industry a while. You knew how to ask, ask the, some slingers. I, I, I tried my best. You made it easy. <laughs> This wraps up the second episode
0: of Trading Paper. Thanks for joining us. Um, You can find any additional information, um, our social media website in the description below. Thank you.